Hello? Oh, hello. What's up? And nothing much. Great, how are things? They're fine. How about you? Yeah, they're fine. It's just us tonight. Really? Just you? And me? Yep, unfortunately. Welcome to One Topic, where we claim to stick to one topic. My name is Greg Russ. Only Greg Russ tonight. Autumn Fisher, at work. Working at the Yacht Club. Serving the people. The people who wear sports coats. To bed, I assume. Maybe they sleep in silk pajamas. Any pajamas, honestly, is a sign of success, if you ask me. I don't sleep in pajamas. I sleep in underwear and a t-shirt, no matter what time of year, no matter the location. I guess maybe camping. I would wear a little bit more. But I don't like camping, and I can't tell you what I wore the last time I actually did go camping. I think the last time I went camping was 2010. Rhode Island, the smallest state, not the least populous state. That's Wyoming with not even 600,000 people. Rhode Island, just over a million people. Difference in square miles, I can't tell you. A lot. It's just that that lot, that's the answer. This wedding happened on a farm, and it was the bride's family farm where she grew up. And instead of sending people to the nearest hotel, because there was no near hotel, people just stayed on the land. I probably slept in my suit, for all I know. It gives you a false sense of security when you're outdoors, facing nature, an animal sneaks in. If you're in your underwear, it scratches your leg, bites your arm, gnaws on your shoulder. If you've got the clothes on, it takes a little bit more work to get to the skin, and then you feel the thing, and you get to wake up and react in some certain way, which would just be gently picking up the animal and placing it outside the tent, of course. I'm not advocating any kind of harm. I did wake up the other night with a a house centipede close by. I keep them around the house centipedes because they're good. They don't eat your food. They don't eat the glue in books like silverfish. They eat other pests. So I let them run around. I don't know where they live. I assume under the bed, maybe under the pillow. But knowing that they are there to defend my space, that we are working together to keep a clean environment, pest-free, I allow the house centipede to live. But when you wake up and that thing's right in your face, it's a bit shocking. You get scared. Maybe a scream. Maybe it's a high-pitched scream. Maybe your neighbor thinks it's your girlfriend screaming and then knocks on the door and says, is everything all right? And then you say, oh, that was me. And then they say, oh. And they're a little disappointed because they thought they were being chivalrous. They thought they were coming to save the day, riding in on their white horse. And you'd say, no, 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 that's not the case. And they leave with their head hung low, disappointment in their eyes. Because for whatever reason, whatever's going on in their life requires them to uh, be the savior for someone else. To fill in all the gaps and all the holes. And the, the pathetic reality that they're faced with every single day is once again shoved into their face. So anyway, Autumn, again working. That was quite the seg, I know. 
So anyway, I've got nowhere else to go with that story. We're just going back to autumn, being at work, and we've been having discussions. Every week, we write each other and say, hey, we should start recording earlier in the week. Let's just get this podcast done so when Sunday comes around, if somebody's busy, it's not that big of a deal. Or in this instance, Sunday was busy, and then Monday was busy, and the show is due out on Monday. I don't think we've ever missed a Monday release. There's been later in the day on Monday releases. And there there could be a Tuesday release somewhere mixed in there, which I'm not proud of. I like to be consistent, which is why I quite often don't commit to doing things. Because when I do commit to doing the things, then it's time to be consistent in doing the thing. And I think that's what's scary about success knowing that once I get going and something is on my radar, something I care about, something that I have committed myself to, then I know that I have to continue to do it. It becomes, in a weird way, it's obsessive compulsive because it feels like it would be bad luck if I didn't do it. It's not quite to the level where if I don't release this podcast tonight, I'm worried somebody I care about will die or something bad will happen. But it, it exists somewhere in my brain on that level. And it's not worth taking the risk. There's also something to be said about having a streak. Starting the show in January 2019, we are four years in at this point, And not missing a week does actually mean something. Similar to when I quit cigarettes. I got one of those apps, the, the quit app. And you can put it in the day and the time that you quit a certain activity. And it gives you a breakdown of the years, the months. The weeks, the days, the seconds, the minutes. I know, I it, uh, speaking of OCD, it kind of bothers me that I, I said seconds before minutes because the proper order would have been the years, the months, the weeks, the days, the hours, the minutes, the seconds. It's going to drive me crazy for the rest of the night. But you look at this thing and you see that millions of seconds have passed and if you have another cigarette, all that goes away. Now, it doesn't mean anything in the real world. It, it, it holds no weight or relevance in any actual way that impacts your life. Though, I guess if it is the thing keeping you from smoking, there's a healthy impact there. But I look at that and, you know, I was just in Maine for a week, hanging out. And that's the time to cut loose, drink the booze, smoke pot, which... Still, I can't. I tried smoking again. Every time I, I get to smoking marijuana, I know that I'm going to dislike it. Yet I still try it, hoping that it'll be different. I think of the people who say, oh, I have awful anxiety. And uh, I smoke pot to get rid of the anxiety. It's always been quite the opposite. I smoke pot and I get horrible anxiety. Paranoia sets in. I smoked last year, also in Maine. And I was convinced that I was destroying my relationship because I'm a difficult person, which is not a lie. And I am moody, which is not wrong. And I don't think that I'm always best at navigating it and expressing what's on my mind and explaining what I'm feeling and saying, you know, it really has nothing to do with the relationship. I also know that it affects you and it affects us in the relationship. So there are probably things I can do better. You know, there's a there's a reality to it. If you're ignoring that completely, that's not a good thing. But thinking, oh my God, just by existing, I am destroying this thing that I hold dear. That's a bit extreme. And then you end up picking up the phone and making a call 
and all your paranoia spills out. And of course, the person at that point thinks, what the fuck have I gotten myself into? But cigarettes should be smoked on this trip, too, if you're indulging. But I don't want to break my streak. I, If I had a cigarette after almost 10 years, on March 3rd, it'll be 10 years. I do think I'd probably be sick, but there's a fear that I would just go right back to liking it. And then at that point, what's to stop me from smoking more? The thing that's keeping me from smoking at this point is the quit app, looking at the millions of seconds that have passed. So there is value there, even though it is completely and utterly ridiculous. So with this podcast, getting back to that, Autumn and I are constantly saying, come on, let's record earlier in the week. That way we're not rushed. We can focus on this and not feel the pressure and put out a good product. And it just never happens. And part of that is the weeks are flying by. I'm a person who gets relatively lazy. I work and then at night I don't want to do much. So the idea of sitting down and doing the podcast sometimes seems daunting. Once you get going, it isn't that big of a deal. But mostly it's the procrastination that comes into play. Oh, you know, I'll do this tomorrow. And the next thing you know, a week has gone by. The next thing you know, uh, your suitcase from the trip to Maine has been sitting on the floor open for two and a half weeks. When the hell did that happen? I have no clue. Where did all of that time go? Tick, tick, tick. And this plays out in many other ways. Tim Andrews and I talked about doing our own podcast, one that was a, a sketch comedy podcast. And we came up with ideas, different sketches, real funny things, I think, were in there. Probably some other things that weren't so funny and kind of dumb. But sharing the ideas, getting on a roll, enjoying the the discussion surrounding what we were going to do, then the realization sets in that, God, if we do a podcast like this, that's going to require a lot of work. Every single week, we're going to have to do that amount of work. And even though it's something I think that we would end up enjoying, there's sheer terror that sets in when you realize you don't have your freedom, your freedom from things, not the freedom to do things, the freedom from things. Leave me alone. No outside influence should ever bother me in any way. There are some people that take this to such an extreme that they don't read books, they don't watch movies, they don't listen to music because they think other people's ideas will taint their own brains. And it serves as an intrusion, so they just avoid it completely. Now, obviously, that's an extreme pathological case which may or may not apply to the story that I'm telling you. There's also an idea that we will still do this podcast, even though we both know that that's not going to happen. But you think I have more time. It, bringing this up is funny, because if you go back into the archives of one topic, well, no, funny is the correct word. But it's interesting in that if you go back in the archives, I did a, an episode with Tim Andrews, and it was about procrastination. It is an understanding. I have a deep understanding with Tim, we connect emotionally, not just mentally, emotionally on this. There's always seemingly more time. And I know on the flip side, people say, you never know if you've got more time, you got to live each day as though it were your last. And if it were my last, in theory, I guess that's a sad thing. Other people could look at me, my body laying there lifelessly and say, he could have done so much more. Many thought he had more time, and he didn't. What a shame. But in reality, I wouldn't care at that point. It's only sad in theory. 
It's only sad and thought and mental exercise. I was talking to my friend the other day. I, I have this idea that I'd like to write. Being a procrastinator, I will write near the end of my life if I'm still alive. I'll write and then I'll die. That'll be the end of it. Which then garners reactions like, no, you can't do such a thing. You need to, you need to really buckle down and do it. Now, what am I going to do? What, I'm going to write. Nobody's going to read it. People are going to say you don't have the social media following that's needed for us to do anything with this. On the flip side, you could also say, well, why are you writing for other people? Maybe you want to be writing for yourself. Maybe it's just an exercise for fulfillment. Look, if I'm going to put in the time, I want other people to at least uh, consume it. They don't have to enjoy it. They could read it and say, this fucking sucks and I hate this person. But at least you're stirring some kind of emotion out of them. To me, it's sadder to do something that nobody else knows even exists. I was looking at some numbers for a podcast network. I have access to this through work. And granted, I did misread some of these numbers, but I was looking at the podcast. These are podcasts that had funding. And the numbers were pretty low, a lot less than this podcast garners. And... I saw that one of the podcasts had three downloads. Now, what had happened is I didn't set the the date range to the very beginning from the podcast release. So it actually only had three downloads in the past month. But overall, it only had 100-something downloads. But when I saw that three, I felt sad. I felt for the the hosts and thought, what are they doing this for? It's like a band. I, even being in a band is different. If you're doing stand-up comedy, anything on stage and nobody comes out to see you, there's still a skill that you need to hone. And that could lead to something else eventually down the line. You get better on stage, you make a name for yourself, something catches on, people want to come out and see you, and by the time that they do, you're good at being on stage. Something similar could happen in a podcast, I guess, where you're practicing, you're getting a little better at your craft, hosting the podcast, and then you have an audience that starts to build and they come in at a time when you're a bit better than you were previously. But ultimately, it's a bit of a stretch. It's not a parallel. And going back to the band thing, I was going to say before I realized that there was value in it. If I were up on stage and nobody was at the show, I wouldn't play. If two people were at the show... I wouldn't play. Now, there's an idea that you put on the best show you can for the people who did come out to see you. Sure. Because those two people, if you didn't put on a show, would turn against you. But you know what I would do at that point? I'd say, you know, we're not doing this. And then I would sit down and I would talk to the people. And I would ask them questions. And I'd make them feel like they were important. Which would be total deflection, just so they wouldn't talk to me and realize how ashamed I was. That I put myself out there in the first place and nobody showed up. And if you say that to the two people, they say, well, I'm a nobody. It's like, no, nah, it's not you that is nobody. It's just that I need more people. I don't want to know. I don't want to be able to sit and talk to the people who come to the show because there's so many of them that it would be impossible to do. I guess it's a good thing that I don't like being on stage. That the thought of going on stage makes me want to throw up. Even doing this alone. I, I there's a bit of dread it's like uh, doing a show alone and I think I say this every time I do the show but it's because it lives in my brain it's difficult it's a totally different dynamic 
and there's a bit of nervousness that sets in. And with a podcast, I can stop the recording. I can start it again. I can edit. I try not to do that. I don't, and I haven't done that with this episode. I'm not going to edit anything out of it unless there was something egregious like this right here where I'm losing my train of thought because now I'm overthinking the fact that I'm talking about doing the podcast alone, which makes me remember that I'm doing the podcast alone. Now my breathing's going to get off, which plays out at work. I'm not cut out for any of this. I don't, you know, there are people who flaunt their social anxiety. Anxiety is now cool, which really angers me because it was something that I hid growing up most of my life. I didn't want people to know that I was anxious. I also feel as though if you just accept it, not saying you shouldn't accept who you are, but if you just accept it, then you're not going to put in the work needed to move through it, to figure out a path forward. Like, oh, this is who I am. You're going to have to deal with this. Sure, there are some things that you can't change, but I feel as though anxiety and the reasons behind that anxiety is something you can put some work into. Is it going to go away fully? Maybe not. Who's to say? But now that it's just accepted, there's resentment on my part, and I don't want anyone to know that I'm anxious because now it feels as though it's a personality trait that you're flaunting. Like being a nerd is cool. Being a geek is cool. Being anxious is cool. I'm not saying it's not cool. It's neither. It's neutral. It's a thing. It's not something you wear as a badge of honor, but it also shouldn't drive you to the point that you want to hide because you're so embarrassed by it. But at work, I get on these Zoom calls and talking to a group of 10 people, my heart starts pounding, my breathing gets off, I lose my train of thought, I'm saying words, I'm not pausing because I feel as though that's the one thing I can't do. It's like, all right, just keep talking. And by the time it's all over, I have no fucking clue what I said to anyone. And that sometimes it's it's one on one, and this builds. Other times, with the see with Zoom, one of the, the the bad things with video conferencing, it's hard to gauge the room. And I guess that's what ties into podcasting a bit. I'm going to release this, and I have no clue what anyone is going to feel. I do know that when I do the show alone, the numbers tend to be lower than they are when I do the show with Autumn, and that's fair. If people are coming to hear us do the show together, then I'm not going to beat myself up over it, I guess. There is part of me that sees that and says, what the fuck is going on here? But for the most part, I, I can understand that. But when you can't gauge a reaction, it is nerve-wracking. Doing live radio is similar. You could get phone calls and people could call and tell you how awful you are. On the flip side, they could tell you how great you are. 16 people could call and say you're great. The 17th person could say you suck. And that's the one you're going to hold on to and carry around with you for the rest of the night. There's something to be said for just feeling the energy in a room. I don't mean this like some mystic who puts the incense burning and the hot stones on your thighs and the crystals grip tight in your little paw but there's an energy in a room and you can feel that you can sense the reaction going in. You can feel the energy in the room and you think, okay, this crowd today feels a little off. I'm just going to be straightforward. 
I'm not going to try to crack any jokes or be my weird self. Let's just get through this. Other times you can sense that people are a little loose and maybe some of that will work. It'll be endearing. You never want to overdo it. And there is no real need to either because in a work setting, people just want to get through the damn day. They don't really need your musings and humorous stylings. But when you're on that video conference call, you can't sense that. And if you do try to crack a joke, or even if you get a bit awkward because of the whole nature and dynamic of the thing, you can't gauge if anyone's reacting to it. So it just feels as though nobody is reacting to it, which only at that point compounds everything. And it's a spiral to death. So I just prefer to stay away from it altogether. And I am at the point where being 40 years old, and there are plenty of people in their 20s who will go on there and talk, talk, talk because they have something to prove or they aren't doing enough work. This is my theory. They're not doing enough work, so they're trying to overcompensate. Or there's somebody else who wants to one-up another person for whatever fucking reason because these kind of things matter to people in the scheme of their lives in the workplace, I need to prove that I'm better than this other person so then maybe I'll get the promotion even though I don't deserve it and I'm working on other jobs and things during the day because we're remote work and nobody's going to know that I'm double dipping and that my interests are tied up on five different fronts. So that's why I'm going to go over the top and talk, 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 talk. I have meetings where I don't say a fucking word. And then after the fact, if my boss is on there, at this point, my boss knows, but I would write to my boss. I hope you don't think that I'm not engaged. I'm engaged. I just don't feel a reason to talk. If I have something to say, I will say it. If I have something to say and I don't feel as though I can get it into this meeting, I'm not going to say it in that meeting and I'll sell it, say it elsewhere. And I think, I like to think at least, that's a bit refreshing for people. So that's the, that's the approach. I don't feel a need to be anything else other than myself these days. And if I know that myself is going to be a fucking weirdo on a video conference call, I'm just, I'm forfeiting. I'm resigning. I'm going to say the things that I need to say. I'm not going to say them at all. And over time, strangely, it feels as though this has endeared me to other people in the office, which kind of is a theme in my life. If we go back, if we look at my childhood, the years through grade school, middle school, I was picked on. I wasn't cool. There's a hierarchy, of course, and somebody's at the bottom. I wasn't at the bottom, but I wasn't close to the top, and I was certainly below the average. I do think of the person I picked on. What a pathetic individual that was when you had me picking on you because there was nobody else for me to pick on. That person, I don't even know where they are these days. I wonder if I could do a quick Instagram search and find them. I won't waste your time doing that here. But over time, you would think that it would grate on people. You would think that this would be the, the path. But for whatever reason, people start to take to me. They start to like me. Maybe it's played out this way on the radio, too, when I think about the dynamics of the show. A lot of it is in my head, and I try to put that aside. But it does seem to be... And I don't need to sit here and whine and say I'm so misunderstood. There may be a misunderstanding, so be it if that's the case. It's not anything to whine about or write in my diary about while drawing broken hearts and wilted flowers. But over time, I, I 
hope that people can better understand who I am, where I'm coming from, and they take to it. And that's what happened in school. By the time I got to high school, then suddenly I'm somewhat cool, but I'm resentful now that I'm cool because I didn't do anything to be cool. And the people who for so many years had labeled me as uncool suddenly say, now you're cool. Will you hang out with us? And I said, no, I'm not going to hang out with you. Why? So I can be, because I was doing weird things. And not to say there wasn't an overcompensation. I think, especially when you're younger, if you feel a certain way that there's a trait that kind of bothers you in this instance, being weird, you're going to overcompensate. You're going to do things like bring a shopping cart to school and put your books in it and tell people it's your backpack. It's dumb. And I know that maybe this discredits some of the stuff I was saying because I clearly was putting on an act. But that aside, the motivations were to offset the anxiety that I was feeling for being weird. And when people start to take to it and you are asked to hang out because people want you to continue to do the weird things, I, I was thinking, fuck you. I'm not putting on a show for you. I'm not your personal jester. And then you say no to these people and then that makes you even cooler. And then you think, what the fuck is going on here? I don't know how to handle any of this. It was much easier when I was thought of as not cool. And then you graduate and then it all starts over and you have to build again because that doesn't matter. It never mattered. People who think that it mattered are probably stuck in ruts at this point in their lives. So jumping back to work, here I am and people like me. Can you believe this? They like me. And I, I want to question them. I want to shake them. I, I want to say, what the fuck are you thinking? You're completely wrong. Get this thought out of your head. But if you sit back and you stop being so hard on yourself, you see that, you know, it, maybe I am likable. Maybe I am cool. Because it's not that I don't care. I do care. I care about being a professional at work. I am a professional. I want to do a professional job. But I don't need to care any more than that. You don't go around and rant negative thoughts and shit on everything and talk about how terrible it is because that isn't cool. But if you just present things for what they are and you say, look, I'm going to speak freely and openly about my feelings on this, but I'm also going to draw a line and say, you can't cross that line. And if you want to cross that line, because you think that you're getting on my side by taking it too far. And I say, no, 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 stop right there. You don't need to pull down the morale of this whole fucking place. Other people see that and it's like, oh, this person's actually balancing things. They're not putting on too much of an act. They're just speaking. What is the reality? And that in itself, for whatever reason, is refreshing like a sprite. I shouldn't say for whatever reason. I think it's pretty obvious as to why that is refreshing because most people are just pretending. They're pretending to be something that they're not in all aspects and areas of their life. And it is one of the hardest things to just say, I don't care. I mean, I do care. We're always going to care. And everyone who says they don't care does care, but that's their way to protect themselves from caring by saying that they don't care. There's no easy way out. There's no way to protect yourself at all times. But being who you are, 
just finding out, which is one of the hardest things to do, figuring that out. This is who I am. I still struggle with it constantly. And half the time, I don't like who I am. And that creates the resistance that leads me to getting panicked when I smoke pot in Maine, thinking I'm destroying the relationship with my girlfriend. You know, there, there's never a rest. There's always the neurosis stirring. But just accepting it really is the key. It is the key to it all. And this is something that's been stated a million times. I'm not charging you anything. I'm not pretending to be a life coach. I would never do such an egregious thing. It's disgusting. A life coach. This, this advice, the sage advice I offer you, it's free. I would never charge. Just like I don't charge for this podcast, even though Autumn wants to, because she wants money. Also, Autumn just texted me and said, hey, are we still good to record tonight? Oops. I, I didn't know that was going to happen. So I wrote her and said, I recorded something myself without you. Autumn will be back next week. I'll be back next week. Thanks for listening to this episode of God Knows What Topic. Hoff and Pepper. Delicious hot sauce made not just for you. For a lot of people. A variety of people. A wide array of people. It's not appealing for your personal tastes. But it's good nonetheless. Go to hoffandpepper.com. We still promote them. Even though there's nothing in it for us. It's Autumn's friend. I'm not opposed to that. I think. I'm not going to think about it anymore. Alright, good night. Good day. Good morning. Whatever the hell it is.